Can two divorced men share an apartment without driving each other crazy? Hello and welcome back to 1049 Park Avenue, an Odd Couple podcast. This is our second episode. I'm Ted Linhart and I'm with Garrett Eisler. Hi, Garrett. Hey, Ted. Our second episode already. Pretty cool. Yeah, it's like we have a real podcast. So we're going to tonight cover episode, the second episode of season two called Felix's Wife's Boyfriend. Last time we covered one of our favorite episodes, which happened to be from season three, but we want to go in chronological order, at least I do. It's part of my OCD, and it's what I see other people doing. Now, however, you say, well, if you're going chronological order, why are you starting with season two, episode two? Well, a couple reasons. It's a little convoluted, but it's what works for us. Season one, as we've said before, we're not going to talk about in episode by episode order. It's a different show, really not as good, not what we love. We will cover it in some form later. And also, we don't plan to cover episode by episode every single episode of the show because there are some that we just don't think are worthy. We will talk about every episode. Some we will combine together into an episode where we cover three or four at once because they just aren't worthy of a full podcast. And that includes the first episode of the second season called Natural Childbirth. It's just not a great episode. There are six episodes we've identified in season two that are not worthy of a full podcast. We will cover them in some form before we get to season three, and we will also cover at some point in that same time the big transition that the show made from season one to season two because it is a worthy topic to talk about the show. So before we get into the episode, we do want to address a few things. First of all, it was pointed out to me after episode one was posted that we actually haven't told people how they can watch the show. So The Odd Couple is available on CBS All Access, not all episodes, but many. It's available on Hulu. Again, not all episodes, but many. The best way to watch every single one is to buy the DVDs. And yes, people still buy DVDs. They're still available, and you can still get a DVD player. Uh, I think these episodes, this DVD pack is still in print, but if not, I think you can find it. Right now on TV, on a national basis, I do not think The Odd Couple is airing. It sometimes airs on MeTV, and maybe it's on your local schedule, but I'm not aware of it on any national network, cable, or DigiNet at the moment. Uh, Ted? Yes, uh, yes. Just one brief thing about the DVDs, uh, perhaps we should mention. Isn't it true that, at least for certain seasons or certain episodes, there are cuts in the... That's, that's a great point. There are musical elements of certain episodes that the dvd rights were not cleared uh there's one scene in particular where they sing a gershwin tune when they're tied up and they talk about felix starts to sing the song together maybe that's not gershwin but they cut out that entire song because i guess they didn't have the rights so there are some weird cuts in the dvds that's correct it's good and this perhaps as we go along it is the i think that the issue of cuts is interesting because one of my uh pet peeves about a lot of reruns is that there were certain edits made we're going way back into syndication and that at some point were replaced by other edits I think and um, so I'm going to be on the lookout for for that as we watch so far I've been impressed the CBS episodes 
seem complete to like seem to have restored things that I remembered missing on some airings. So that's always a big question for me is like at some point the masters were that were played on ABC originally were edited down for, for syndication and then re-edited to restore the cut parts, but they cut out to, to make room for that. They cut out parts I liked. So yeah, I have seen scenes in the DVDs that I have not seen on TV. So there are some bonus footage, if you will, in the DVD, but other things are removed. Um, we should also, we didn't mention the first episode, the two big names behind the show, uh, or at least not enough. Of course, we want to acknowledge Neil Simon, who created the original concept, created the play, and then, of course, that became a movie and a TV show, and his involvement and all that. We will try to do a podcast about him also as we you know, eventually have no more episodes to talk about. We will find other things to talk about or mix in other podcast uh, topics about the show that aren't episode by episode. And of course, Gary Marshall is the uh, television person who, uh, the big showrunner of the 70s, who brought the odd couple to our screen. And I think, Garrett, you have a little story about Gary Marshall you want to mention right now. Yeah. Um well, we should say, of course, Gary Marshall, this was, I, if not literally his first sitcom, certainly the, oh, certainly the first, I think he was the showrunner for the first, um, uh, his, the first truly Gary Marshall sitcom after being a writer and performer throughout the 60s. Uh, he started as a stand-up comic. I find this at, I found an interesting reference. I was reading Woody Allen's autobiography uh, last month, and he mentions doing stand-up nights alongside Gar a young comic named Gary Marshall in the early 60s, who he thought was really funny then, and wasn't surprised to see him go on to be such a, a major player in television. Uh, but Gary Marshall, of course, after Odd Couple, went on to do Laverne and Shirley, Happy Days, Mork and Mindy, um, and then made a lot of like really questionable movies. <laughs> but Pretty Woman, very successful, very successful well, movies. Yes. Um, so, but this is kind of where it all began for Gary Marshall, and he tells a funny story about his first day of shooting on The Odd Couple, uh, where uh, he tells this actually in he wrote the intro to Jack Klugman's autobiography, which I mentioned last time, called Tony and Me, about his friendship with Tony Randall. And I was, it was really neat that Marshall wrote the foreword because he tells a story about being very nervous his first day as a showrunner. And the first assignment before they did any episodes was to go to New York and film the establishing shots that are in the opening credits. And uh, Randall and Klugman didn't know, they knew each other a little, but not very well at that time. And he talks about that immediately they got into a fight that was so Felix and Oscar because they were stuck in a limo together waiting to shoot the scenes and uh, Randall steps out of the limo and says, I can't work with this man. He's smoking. He's smoking his cigar. I remember right. the story. Yeah. And, and Klugman saying, this guy is such a pest. <laughs> he, I cannot work with him. And on the spot, Marshall said, okay, I'm just going to tell ABC. We need to spend more money and get two separate limos because otherwise this is all going to fall apart. So, um, uh, so I thought that was very revealing. But yes, this is where it all, if you're a Gary Marshall fan, uh, you, I think Happy Days and Laverne and Shirley became much more popular ultimately. Uh, but this is where it all began. 
So we'll talk more about Gary Marshall again, probably in the future. So uh, a couple of things more before we get into this episode. Uh, so we got our first piece of feedback, uh, not from a friend or family. It, it was a bit negative, um, but we appreciate someone listening and caring enough to send this. So I'm going to read it, and then we'll discuss it for a moment. Ted, 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 of course, said, like, Oscar, Oscar, Oscar. Love the idea. This is from David. David, you may be listening. Uh, love the idea of this podcast, but you already misguided. While the opening credits show the Park Avenue apartment, it is clear to any observer that the boys lived in two different apartments, not just a quote-unquote different set. The second apartment was on Central Park West, and the fact is referenced several times. You can have your cannon, but then you'll have to ignore the entire new car episode because they're clearly trying to park the car on the west side of Manhattan. Now, my response to that is that is incorrect. I believe that it is supposed to always be 1049 Park Avenue. The references to the West Side and Central Park West are part of the inconsistencies in the show. And the reason I think this is whenever they do a flashback from season two to season five, which they do multiple times, to an episode set in where Oscar used to live at this apartment all the time, apparently, again, part of the inconsistencies, they are still using this set. And... They weren't going to change back again, of course. But uh, as far as I know, and I, I really have no doubts about this, the only reason the set was changed was to allow for the change of a single camera show to a three camera show in season two. They weren't supposed to change apartments. I don't believe the showrunners ever thought about changing apartments. They actually don't reference the fact they moved. They didn't move in season one and season two. They changed apartments so that the show can have the three cameras and then they just had a riddle of inconsistencies about where they live forever. But they didn't change the opening credits either. They still show 1049 Park Avenue, the original credits. That's another piece. So what David believes is an intentional strategic shift of apartments, I believe, is simply a production need that was then exacerbated by poor continuity, which the show is riddled by. Garrett, what are your thoughts? Well, uh, I think David raises an interesting point, uh, but I do side with you ultimately, Ted. Um, I, one way maybe we could resolve this is I think David is sort of creating a mythology, an odd couple mythology backstory, you know, where you kind of read into seemingly inconsistent details, but maybe there's an imaginary backstory where they secretly move. Uh, it's intriguing to think, but you are absolutely right, Ted. No meant that's certainly not in the text of any of the episodes. The opening credits, as I, I, I more and more I think about it, you're right, Ted, that the opening credits are kind of canon. They were, as I just said, they were filmed before the show even, before any episodes were done. Uh, they clearly, for some reason, show the address of the building on that establishing shot. Um, and I'm convinced, this is something I look forward to finding out as we go through the episodes, I'm convinced that it is even mentioned, the address, that at some point, Felix... I, I remember him saying the address 1049 Park Avenue like, to a delivery person or something. And, um, but I also recall, I think they mentioned the, I think David is right that the car episode, yes. which comes later. That's correct. They mentioned. Is very clearly made in Central Park West. And, yes. And, as, and the episode we watched uh, for, for our first podcast uh, from season three seemed to use a Central Park West establishing shot. Yes, so I attribute that not to a, oh, let's go film the new establishing shot for where they moved. 
Right. Basically, they grabbed that because it was easy and they just didn't even realize it was, because no one cared that it was wrong. Yeah, it just seems for some reason, for practical reasons, they had to stop using, they had to stop filming establishing shots on Park Avenue, or, uh, but uh, this is something that maybe we'll discover more about as we watch. But, uh, and the other important point I want to, I want to uh, reiterate, you said, for listeners not familiar with season one uh, and the differences after, you're right. Season, the season one set is different than the season two set, but they are different versions of basically the same apartment. There are very similar elements to them. I think their bedrooms are basically the same. Uh, and the thing that's interesting to me about the season one set is that it is basically lifted from the movie. It's the movie set. Right. You see the movie, it's very modeled after the movie. So much of that season one, I think, is was it the, the show, it's the series itself, was a Paramount spin-off of a Paramount film, and they wanted continuity. The music is from the movie. They wanted continuity. And when they decided after season one they needed to go in a new direction and have a, a three-camera live audience show, of course they had to have a new... They had to film on a soundstage with an audience and, and a more theatrical set. So um, they clearly, to me, adapted the season one set into a different format. Exactly. That's that's what uh, that's what I really believe is happening, and not just to force our canon in, but we actually created the canon based on our knowledge of that. So, two more, uh, one more thing, and then we're going to let Garrett talk about the little details of this episode from a credits point of view, and the and the one we covered last week. But a shout out to uh, our buddies um, Joe Conti and Louis Fats at the Honeymooner Podcast. Um, I've become friendly with them on Facebook. Love their podcast. They inspired me to do this one they mentioned our podcast at the end of their last one so we're returning the favor here all right so before we get into it we're going to talk about uh you want to garrett's going to each week give the quick uh overview of who wrote the episode when it aired and then we'll get into it so i think you want to do that for this one but first you may want to you want to go back and do the one we didn't mention more yes. Okay. Uh, we realized that uh, in discussing uh, the episode we did on our first podcast, uh, we did not give some vital uh, 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 credits, uh, fact sheet info on that for you fans. Uh, so just quickly, that episode was season three, episode four, titled The Pen is Mightier Than the Pencil, the one where Felix goes to writing school and learns how to be a poet. Uh, that aired on October 6, 1972, at the beginning of season three. And we also thought we would like to credit the official writers of all episodes. Uh, the screen credit for that episode goes to Jack Winter, uh, who contributed other episodes uh, as well. Um, and now for today's episode, going back in time, uh, almost exactly one year earlier, this is season two, episode two, from September 24th, 1971, called Felix's Wife's Boyfriend. And the writing credit here is for a Ron Friedman, another frequent odd couple writer. Uh, as, as Ted just said um we are indeed that you heard me right we're starting with season two episode two under the common theory we have that this may not be the official premiere of season two but it's the first good season two episode 
and where season two probably should have started. Exactly. Um, okay, so we're going to get into it. So we open uh, this episode with Oscar on the phone trying to get a date for the brother of his girlfriend, Dr. Nancy Cunningham. His name is Redmond. Raymond, not Redmond, Raymond. So there's a lot that this opening moment brings us because this, there's a lot to talk about here, a lot to unpack uh, in terms of the future of the show and, and who these people are. So let's start with Nancy Cunningham. Nancy Cunningham is um, a doctor that he met, Oscar met in season one when Felix was sick. And Dr. Melnitz, their famous doctor, wasn't available or she was his partner. And she came over to treat Felix and met Oscar uh, and they started a date. She appears in 11 episodes across season one and season two. She's played by Joan Hotchkiss, who was an actress, worked over five decades, but not a particularly uh, busy actress. Her IMDb credits are, are not deep. Uh, there's a sprinkling of work over those, um, those five decades. This is her sixth episode, and she disappears later in season two with no explanation, no mention of a breakup, um, just doesn't come back. And I don't think we know exactly what happened at all, even behind the scenes or, or, or what the storyline is supposed to be, as far as I know. Uh, no, she basically, uh, Oscar's single again at some point later. Um, I'll always remember Nancy as um, a key, more of a key character in season one in a way, like very, uh, is in a lot of season one, and they meet, they do indeed meet because Nancy is a doctor who makes a house call on Oscar when he's sick. So I Oscar starts dating... Oscar or Felix? Oh, yeah, you're right. Okay, well, that's why we have to go back and watch season yeah, one. Right. Yeah, right. She makes the house call for Felix, and then Oscar hits on it, right? So, um, uh, and then they start a romance. She's one of the few, she's, I think, you know, aside from Felix and Oscar and the poker game, uh, uh, Nancy's one of the few holdover characters, so, supporting characters from season one that makes it into season two. Otherwise, starting in season two, we have a whole bunch of new uh, supporting characters. So Raymond is played by Fred Beer. Uh, he's a very, very um, uh, busy actor in the 60s and 70s. He was on a lot of uh, television shows, a lot of guest appearances. He never really made it as a lead actor. He seems like one of those guys who would probably go out for pilots and pilots all the time or action roles, police roles. Never had a recurring role. Was never a, a part of a regular series um, in the 60s and 70s, which I'm going to guess was not his choice. And he just seems like one of those very busy actors from that era who just never got a regular series role. And this is the only time we see Raymond since, you know, we only see Nancy uh, five more times. Uh, the most interesting character mentioned here is one we will never see, but we will hear a lot about, and that's Crazy Rhoda Zimmerman, which I'm assuming is a name, and maybe you know this character, maybe it was mentioned in some autobiography or some book, is the name of somebody in Gary Marshall's, somebody's life. Um, and this is a woman that Oscar somehow has dated or met over the years, and she's always referred to, whenever Oscar's looking for a date, pretty Crazy Rhoda Zimmerman's always mentioned, and there's always some crazy reason that the date never works out. And when, when he, the story goes, when he can't get a date with Crazy Rhoda Zimmerman, it means he's got no choice left, and he's really bottomed out. Yeah, part of the joke 
part of the joke is the Zimmerman. It's like he's going. Oscar actually has a little black book. <laughs> I don't know if that phrase is still used. I guess because we have cell phones now. But um, uh, he actually has a, 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 a the, uh, the iconic little black book that men were supposed to carry around with all the possible dates they could have. You know, all girls' numbers in them that they could call at any time and uh she's at the end of the list because her name starts with z so you know, a, that comes up in other episodes that well i know i've gone through the whole list down to rota zimmerman but the other part of the joke is a, a little more questionable taste that the implication is that she's the perhaps the easiest one the most promiscuous and that but also not the most desirable so it's like if he's kind of desperate he uh figures that she will always say yes but we only see her saying no Right, exactly. And in this episode, the only joke is that she's diseased. Not diseased. She is the Z. <laughs> there is no reference. There's usually a reference to something she's doing or some, again, ex ex extraordinary reason that she can't go out. Like one episode, he tries to ask her out and she says no, and Oscar keeps trying to get her to say yes, and he says, I, I'm sure you'll make a pretty bride. <laughs> it's always something crazy like that. But this time, the only thing is that she's not available and the only joke which quite frankly isn't that funny the, i think the audience overdoes it here is that she's the last of disease like that's the punchline and i don't think that's that big a punchline um but we you know she is throughout the show i don't know if this is her first mention because i did not take the time to go back to season one to find out and when i googled this topic i couldn't find online if she, when her first mention was. Maybe this is her first mention, I'm not sure. Was there, I'm curious, was there any discussion of, of her that you found on Google? Uh, yes, there was a lot of mention of this being a character that comes up a lot we never see. That's the big reference, <laughs> is that we never see her. Right. Um, or off-stage character. Yeah, I mean, so like I can think of Carlton the Doorman from Rhoda and the next-door neighbor at Home Improvement of other characters we never see fully, but we, we hear them. This may be... Unless I'm, there's some other character I can't think of, like maybe Norm's wife. Although we do see Norm's wife at the Thanksgiving dinner, kind of. I think we see part of her body. But this is maybe the most famous TV character, recurring character, who never has any physical presence of all what, whatsoever. I'm, I'm speculating as a possibility. Well, that's a challenge for others yeah. to... Uh... Maybe David can enlighten us and yes. tell us we're wrong. Yes. So in walks Gloria. So they have no date for Raymond. They want to go out. In walks Gloria. And this is Felix's ex-wife, even though the episode is called Felix's wife's boyfriend. In actuality and legally, it is his ex-wife. She's played by Janice Hansen. And what surprised me at doing research for this podcast, I feel like I should know this, she's only in 12 episodes of the show. Hmm. But her presence is so large and so looming, especially because the show ends with Felix going back to Gloria. Yes. And she's mentioned so much. I was surprised she was only in 12 episodes. And this is her first appearance. And it's also, she is such a presence because she lasted all the way from season two to season yes, five. Yes, exactly. So those are spread out yes. all across all those seasons. That's right. Uh, Hanson was a, uh, her, her, Janice Hanson, the actress, she was fairly busy in the 60s and 70s. Uh, but then she retired and became a talent manager, actually, I think uh, sometime in the 80s. Uh, and clearly this is her most famous role. I mean, it's a, it's a fairly iconic, iconic movie, strong cover. It's a fairly strong presence in the show. And as we said, uh, looms large and is throughout the entire rest couple, couple of fun facts about Gloria uh, uh, the fact that this is her first episode of season two implies of course that 
it's true. She's never seen an episode in season one. In fact, n neither ex-wife is seen in season one. Uh, so one of the decisions made going forward was to bring the ex-wives into it as recurring characters. Eventually, Blanche being played by, funny enough, Jack Klugman's ex real ex-wife, um, Brett Summers Klugman. That's her name. Um, and so it's the first time we see one of the ex-wives in the whole series. And it's probably a good decision on their part. It was a good decision to bring them back into the mix as part of these men's lives. Other fun fact, the name of Felix's ex-wife was not Gloria in the play, the original play and movie. It was Francis. Oh, interesting. And uh, I now season one, I do have to check this, but I believe they already there are references to Gloria in season one when Felix just talks about her. Um, so I think they changed the name already, even when she wasn't an on-screen character. Blanche was still Blanche in the play. Good fun facts. So Gloria's there to drop off Felix's sports shirts that she washed. Um, when um, I think Nancy is surprised that Felix still that Gloria still does Felix's shirts, Gloria says he on she only does his um, his sports shirts, his dress shirts. He sends to his mother. I find it hard to believe that Felix would let either of these women touch his clothing. I think he is the type who thinks he knows and, and actually probably does know how to do his own laundry better yes. than anybody. So I, I find this to be a uh, inconsistent for the joke, which again is a, I'm going to call it a modest joke at best. Yeah, it's, um, well, I think it comes, when it comes back, it's a little funny as, as you know what I mean, but um, it's, it is kind of a lame excuse to get Gloria. They need to get Gloria in the apartment. They need her to drop by right. to, for, this, for the plot to happen. And why would an ex-wife suddenly out of nowhere be you know, coming by her ex-husband's apartment even when he's not there? Um, so they came up with a reason. Yeah. Uh, and Felix is not there. He is out of town in Canada on a quote-unquote rush assignment Oscar. Oscar drops that line. At, you know, Jack Clubman drops it as a Again, as a something so the audience understands why where is Felix. Um, as soon as Gloria walks in, Raymond is clearly smitten with her, and uh, encourages Nancy to invite Gloria to go out with the three of them to dinner. Um, Oscar warns Nancy it's a bad idea because of Felix's jealousy, and this is a topic that is not inconsistent. This is a topic that comes up over and over again. Felix being extremely jealous of anybody interested in Gloria. And it is uh, one of the, you know, and we, we talk a lot about inconsistencies and we will talk about them a lot, but we also want to acknowledge when they are faithful to the nature of these characters beyond just the sloppy and the, and the neat. And Felix's jealousy of, about Gloria is uh, very consistent. So after dinner, Oscar and Nancy come home and surprise, Felix is there. He, uh, he, he swings open the kitchen Sliding doors, shutters, 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 which are, you know, open and closed for no apparent reason throughout different times of the show, just for a sight gag. This is a, a sight gag um, I, that, again, was done. And from there, we go to the opening credits. It sets up the tension for the show, because now Felix is home, and they know that Raymond yeah. and Gloria are about to come in. So we go to the and I, do, I do want to say, it is a great surprise moment. I mean, it is actually those, the, this is a great example of the set design for the new for the new set, the season two, has makes great use of that kitchen area 
because it's this you know if you don't if you can't picture it it's if you haven't seen it it's um the kitchen's off to the side this little corner of its own as a counter that pe that people can sit at and that's where the shutters are that can kind of close the the window to the kitchen and so it's really great when uh, Oscar and Nancy sit there on those stools by the counter and pop, you know, Felix just goes, surprise! Uh, and of course, it's the worst possible moment for him to be there. So it is a great uh, cliffhanger. So we come back from the opening credits and Felix explains that I guess he had to go to get a shot of moose in Canada and it turns out he stepped off the plane and this there's a herd of moose that right herd of moose right there when he got off the plane he took his picture and just flew home he was supposed to be there a week but he got what he needed very quickly so again like like with the dry cleaning kind of a, a crazy convoluted uh, no. <laughs> uh contrivances to get felix and gloria in those places where they need to be and has no whatever later and it didn't need to be that complicated but um so Oscar realizes that before they come home, he better tell Felix about Raymond and Gloria. And so he tells Felix that while Felix is cooking. Felix, before Oscar finally tells him about Gloria, says, oh, that's, I know that's Ray the ski bum. Um, and Oscar tells Felix that they set up Ray with somebody. And Felix tries to guess first. And the first mentioned is Oscar's secretary, Carol, with the overbite. Two things about that sentence. First of all, we know that we will meet Oscar's secretary later this season in the classic role, Myrna Turner, played by Gary Marshall's sister, Penny Marshall. And the, the, the joke of a woman having an overbite is used multiple times in this show. I think they also refer to Crazy Rhoda Zimmerman as having an overbite. I'm not sure why <laughs> overbite is so funny to this crew in 1972, but it's used multiple times. But I, and it's amusing, I guess, but it's just an odd thing to repeat. Um, and I don't think Carol, I think we never hear the name Carol again, as far as I know. So Felix says, well, I hope, I hope whoever you set him up with that Ray gets lucky. Uh, when Oscar tells him it's Gloria, Felix rips the door off the oven. Which is that is, it is such a great physical comedy moment that you know Tony Randall must have had a hand in designing where he is... Felix is busy cooking in the kitchen, and it's a great. It's one of these great. Uh, they do this so many. This joke kind of joke so many times in the series. A great switcheroo, build up to a miss. You know, a completely different direction, where Oscar's trying to break this news very cautiously to Felix. Okay, I gotta explain how we set up his ex-wife with this guy, uh, but he starts saying, you know, Ray, he's a really nice guy, really positive. And Felix surprisingly says, oh, yeah, Ray is great. He's a swinger. He's a really great guy. I hope he gets lucky, which just makes Oscar's job even more difficult to say, ah, okay, well, that stud that you're talking about, he's actually going on a date with Gloria. And the shock, Felix, is just, he's just put the thing in the oven, and his grip on the oven door is so hard, he just turns around to Oscar with the door and ripping it off the wall, which would not really be possible i think in real life but it certainly is fun no and then someone had to repair it because that door gets back there, so uh we also hear felix start to honk uh and felix honking is a is a classic odd couple moment that, that i know uh jack lemon did in the movie but i find that version inferior to the yes the truly uh classic way that feel uh, that tony randall made his honking noise whenever he gets nervous or anxious uh he starts to honk 
Um, we'll find an episode to play a clip of Honk. We've got to play some clips of the Honk. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure. I bet it's been sampled. You know, that probably make a good cell phone ring. Um, I don't. We're not going to do it this episode just because it's not a great Honk. But we will. Yeah. There are other episodes with honking uh, that yes. we a, a, a different, um, a, a better clip. Um, one more thing about Ray's character. The the one thing when you said we were going to watch this episode, talk about this episode, I hadn't seen it for decades, but the one thing I remembered was the phrase ski bum that Ray is simply described as a ski bum as if everyone knows what that means in 1971. So um, I finally just looked it up and of course Urban Dictionary is helpful in this regard uh, and they say a skier, usually male in his late 30s or older who generally spends the entirety of his life at ski resorts. The rest of his life is spent sharpening skis or purchasing skis. Um, so it seems like it was clearly understood as not, some, not, not just someone obsessed with skiing, but someone so obsessed with skiing that they would want to live at a ski resort and would be willing to do any menial duties because they're kind of broke and they need to like, feed their habit of skiing. Uh, I don't think I thought, Frank is. I, he doesn't seem <laughs> like that's what he is. Yeah, uh, but so he, he doesn't even talk about skiing. I believe. No. Maybe. Um, but clearly in the episode, there's this other implication that he is kind of, well, they say call him a swinger also, but that there's something sexy about the ski bum uh, that he is like a, uh, hangs out at ski resorts to pick up women or something. I don't know. But it's just such a memorable phrase of its time. So um, Oscar tries to explain why they're dating, why they went out on this date or went with them to dinner. And he says they met because Gloria brought his sports shirts. And now we get the good call back that you, call back that you mentioned where Felix says, good thing my dress shirts weren't delivered. You would have set them up with my mother. But um, -bum. But -um -bum. So Oscar tells Felix that Raymond is also staying in his room because they thought Felix would be gone for a while. Uh, and then we cut to Raymond and Gloria coming into the apartment. And Gloria's shirt is torn by an elevator. <laughs> they tell the story, which we're supposed to believe is the truth, where they got on to some elevator somewhere and that her shirt got caught. It looks like a shirt that was caught if someone was trying to attack her. So Felix at this point had gone to his room, I guess, to unpack or something or do something, but he comes into the room in his robe and he completely ignores the four people in the room because he's clearly now annoyed at the whole situation. He walks into the kitchen, not saying a word. He walks out, he brings a bottle of wine and a corkscrew and a cork opener, you know, in his very fancy way, to drink by himself at the kitchen table. In uh, front of everyone. In right? front of everyone. In the middle, in the middle of the room. Right. So he's pretending to go about his day, clearly annoyed and ignoring everybody else if no one else is there. So Nancy introduces Raymond to Felix, and Felix is not pleasant, and we're going to play a clip of Felix being not pleasant right now. Oh, uh, Felix, I'd like you to meet my brother. Raymond Cunningham. Ray, this is Felix Unger. How you doing, Felix? I've heard a lot about you. I've heard a lot about you, too. <laughs> Welcome to New York. Fun city. Felix, you'll never believe what happened. But when we were parking the car, this uh, elevator just ripped my dress. <laughs> Isn't that funny? I said that to myself. One look and I said, I'll bet a dress-tearing elevator got <laughs> Wasn't that a good guess? Knock it off, will you, Felix? I'm sorry. 
Oh, I'm sorry. Am I disturbing anyone? Oh, please forgive me. I'm terribly sorry. I'll go eat in my room. <laughs> oh, I forgot. It isn't my room anymore. It's Raymond's. That's all right. Don't worry about me. I'll eat in the closet. <laughs> you have no one but yourself to blame. Don't blame me. Felix, this is an awkward situation, but after all, we're all adults. At least we can be civilized yes. about it. Yes, what a marvelous idea. Let's be civilized. Well, hi-ho, everybody. <laughs> and it's martini time all over the world. And I propose a toast to Gloria and Raymond. Let's hope it's not just one of those things. <laughs> By the way, Gloria, I love your dress. It shows off the real you. <laughs> so my favorite part of that clip, which I listened to five or six times, when he goes, hi-ho, everybody. <laughs> I, when he says, hi-ho, everybody, I just, I, I, I don't care what else he says around it. I just laugh so hard. The way he does that, I could watch that more and more times. It's the, that moment is a great, I think the joke he's doing there, Tony Randall, is like a, a Noel Coward bit, you know, that there's this, you can call it the Noel Coward trope, which is basically comes from Noel Coward's play Private Lives, which is about people having affairs, but being really blasé about it, even with that one spouse with the other, and just sipping martini, being so sophisticated in their tuxedos and sipping martinis. And so, um, so Felix goes through all these moods in that scene where the first one is like total self-pity. Like, I'm just going to sit here and sulk with my bottle of wine. And then, of course, that great moment of, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't notice anyone there. And then they say, Felix, why don't you just, you know, relax? He says, good. And then, and then he goes into null coward mode. And that gesture he makes when he says, hi-ho, hi everyone, is with the martini glass, with, the, with his wine glass. Yeah, yeah. Saying, it's martini time. Right. And he decides with his hand slipped into his, his dressing gown pocket, and he's trying to play ultimate sophisticated no coward part before he breaks down in tears. With it. Exactly. And that's where our clip ended, where he was breaking down in tears. Um, so Felix then pretends to be an adult later. Um, he tries to insist that the Raymond lawyer going out is fine. They're allowed to date, which is true. They're divorced. Um, although he does say, uh, even though uh, Raymond... Um, he accuses Raymond of, quote, assaulting my wife based on the uh, torn shirt, which, is, you know, today may have a different meaning than it did in 1972. Uh, Felix also offers to sleep uh, in the living room because Raymond has Felix's room, even though I think Raymond should have insisted he sleep on the couch, but we do actually see that Felix is the one who's sleeping on the couch. And I think that does make Raymond a little bit of a jerk. I agree. Um, so we cut to the establishing night shot of Felix making up the living room couch because that is now his bed until Raymond leaves. Um, Oscar tells Felix he can sleep in his room and Felix says he can't because he hasn't had his test tetanus shot yet. I find that, and this is probably the last, that was a, of all, there's so many great jokes they use with Oscar's room. This is, to me, the show had not yet found its footing going from season one to season two. We're still early in the season two and closer to season one. The tetanus joke is I could have come up with that, and that tells me that it's not good enough for the audience. Hmm. What's your thought on the tet? I did have uh, it. Yeah, cheap, it doesn't laugh. It's yeah, it doesn't really land that much. And also, I don't. I'm just realizing I don't think they show his room in this. Um, I think it's correct. They don't show. Yeah, the living room is the only set of in Felix's house with the kitchen and the kitchen. Sorry, they don't go back to the room. 
Um, so Raymond comes out from Felix's room and he has borrowed a shirt from Felix, which I don't think that makes sense. Fred Beer is a fairly well-built well -built guy. He's taller and broader. Than big him. man, big man. Big man. Felix, we know Tony Randall's slight of frame, even though he's not, you know, he's in good shape. I think Felix's shirt would be way too tight on this guy, Raymond. Um, <laughs> and he does ask to borrow a tie and fail Felix in fake, uh, you know, being nice to Raymond says his tack Tyrek is completely open to Ray since you borrowed his home and his wife's. Maybe it's not so <laughs> nice. He starts trying to be nice, saying, "My Tyrek is your rack," but then he says, "Since he's already borrowed his home and his wife." So, yeah, well, that's feel, feel yes, that's funny. So Felix really can't resist digging into Ray whenever he can, even if the first part of his sentence sounds like he's going to be. Yeah, he's bored. trying so. He's trying to have it both ways. He wants to rise above the, the awkwardness of the situation, but he also has to keep, you know, reminding them how terrible they are, how, how terrible everyone's being to him. So when Oscar seems surprised that Felix is being helpful at all, Felix says he's being helpful because Gloria says one of the reasons they broke up is his jealousy, which is, again, true. We know this from many episodes that come forward, is that um, besides all the needling that Felix does about the way Gloria manages everything, the jealousy is the biggest problem. Um, and then Oscar, sa Oscar says, yes, it's true you're jealous. And the line here is, Felix is that Felix, you're one of the only people he knows who hired a female gardener. <laughs> who ever heard of a gardener named Ruby? I, I don't get this trope. I guess most gardeners are men. I don't know. I don't have a garden. Well, no, neither do I. But what I read into that is that it's kind of a familiar storyline from old romance novels and movies uh, of the, the, the gardener of the woman having an affair with the gardener, the housewife having an affair with the gardener, the husband's gone all day and the handsome gardener's out there. And uh, so that's kind of a, a romantic stereotype plot. Is that a no uh, one Actually, is which, is made, which is alluded to in the, uh, the Todd Haynes movie, Far From Heaven, in fact. Um, is that a Noel Coward thing as well? Uh, no, it's more of like, I think it's considered like, well, Douglas Sirk was the guy who made all those 50s women's pictures. Uh, uh, so I would refer listeners to that style. It's kind of a, a soap opera plot. Got it. So Ray but it is, it's, it's, I'm, sh yeah, it is very of its time, right? Like who, who, gee, why would, a, why would you want a woman guard? And I don't think Ruby's a particularly funny name either to pick for that, yeah, for that punchline. Uh, so Ray comes out wearing the tie that Felix and Gloria got married in, accidentally. Felix goes to tighten it for him mm -hmm. and tries to actually semi-strangle Ray while he's doing it. Um, and on the way out, you know, Felix, uh, Ray's going out to, Gloria, Oscar says, I hope you get lucky, which, <laughs> of course, Oscar forgot why, where, who's Raymond going out with, but uh, I don't believe that Oscar would forget and accidentally say that in that moment. It's obviously, again, a gag, but a gag that feels forced for this show. And the glares that, the glare from Felix to Oscar after he, after Oscar says that, and Oscar realizing what he just said is great. Which is accompanied by a wah, 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 wah. which is again cheap. And this is what we're trying to say that it, the show took a little while to get into its classic self. And the early episodes of season, season two are show a little bit. We quickly get out of it. We're not far away from some truly great episodes, but 
Uh, this has a little bit of the, of the issue going on. So we come back and Felix and Oscar are playing Scrabble. Felix has spelled apparently these words, traitor, backstabber, villain, and roommate. While Oscar has spelled the, spelled the words guilt, sorry, forgive, and boo-boo. Of course, Felix tells Oscar boo-boo isn't a word. Eh, again, a modest gag that is amusing, but not what I expect from the show. Um, Oscar tells Felix that Felix is really causing the problem here. He either needs to fight for Gloria to get Gloria back or give it up and let Raymond or whoever else move on. It's this middle ground of playing, uh, you know, being all uh, sulking about it is just not going to work. So Nancy walks in after that. She comes into the apartment and Felix says that, uh, that you know, Nancy seems to have some guilt about this and Felix says, don't worry about it. You know, Ray's going to be gone soon. He is a, a guest in the city. And then Nancy gives this very strange look. Like for 30, 20 seconds, Nancy has this look on her face like Raymond already proposed to Gloria. <laughs> but all it is is that we find out that Raymond thinks very highly of Gloria. And, and I think Nancy makes the situation work by like for 20 minutes, 20 seconds, not saying anything and giving this look. Um, so let's play the clip though of what Felix does after he hears that uh, Raymond is fond of Gloria. Did Raymond say anything about Gloria? Yes, Felix, he has. He told me he thinks very highly of Gloria. And if he thinks very highly of her, that means he likes her very much. And after like comes love. First like, then love. It's the razor's edge. No, Felix, the razor's edge is love and hate. I'd like to give him the razor's edge. Nevertheless, your brother is determined to destroy me and marry my wife. She's not your wife. She's not your wife. Thanks to you. Who's now responsible for the divorce? <laughs> no, my back. My back. My back. You take over, Doc. My back and my sinuses. You see what you've done? Raymond loves glory. It's not love. Raymond desires glory. <laughs> Raymond and Gloria. <clears throat> Ray and Gloria. R and G. Felix, you asked me. Nancy, you and I will be related. Your brother will marry my ex-wife. I'll send him my child support checks. So after that, uh, Felix sits dejected. Uh, we get a second mention of crazy, crazy Road of Zimmerman here. Just a reference. <laughs> which is, which is, hey, I know how to cheer you up. Let's call Crazy Road of Zimmerman. Right. I don't, right? <laughs> I'm not sure what, I don't know exactly what happens when you call Crazy Road of Zimmerman. I'm not sure how that cheers you oh, up. Implication is that just she's oh, always game. I see what you're saying. I, I this didn't. is a very, this is one of their most... Uh, risque? Risque... Uh, horniest episodes. Uh, there's a lot of sex in the air of this episode. There is. Which is not, not I think, something the show is associated with. So. so from there, Oscar tried to explain away multiple signs that Ray and Gloria are into each other. The Felix apparently didn't know. Like, so they spoke four times a day. So what? So he's never seen Gloria laugh so much. So when they walk down the street, people look at them like they're the perfect couple. So what? 
which is another sign of Oscar being insensitive accidentally for no reason. Again, to, I guess, further Felix's jealousy. Um, not really, you know, it, it works for the episode, but I, I, I would say, again, part of why, at least I think this is a mediocre episode, you may disagree. Uh, after Oscar leaves the room, after telling Felix all this, Felix starts to talk to himself, mm. and he has to cut out being jealous, uh, but then decides, no, I'm actually going to go stop them from being together, which is what he, Oscar was telling him, either st knock this off or go do something about it. And may I add, there's a, a wonderful highbrow reference in that moment that's totally visual, which is as Felix is trying to calm himself down on the couch, he happens to glance over on the, uh, on the end table, where there is, and they cut to this little statue, which is uh, a, a little yeah. uh, copy of a famous statue by the great French sculptor Rodin called The Kiss, which is two naked lovers embrace, you know, in a big embrace and kiss, two bodies sort of molding into one. And, um, and they show Felix's reaction shot to that, which is, I've got to go stop them. Right, that's the so, trigger for him to decide <laughs> yes. it's time to go do something about it. So Felix rushes to what looks like a house in the suburbs. Yes. I, by the way, noticed it's a Tudor house, which I used to live in the uh, Forest Hills, Kew Gardens area of Queens, where there's a lot of that. And I suspect that the establishing shot might have been taken out there. But the implication, clearly right, is that uh, Gloria lives with the children in either the suburbs or the outer boroughs, the suburban part of the outer boroughs, like Queens, um, and that. But Felix says that's their he that was their house. So Felix, before moving with Oscar, apparently lived in this very suburban setting. I guess so. Though the scene where Felix is thrown out, and we see the his Gloria hand him a pan oh, in the opening credits. The opening credits is clearly an yes, apartment. Building. Apartment, right? So more inconsistencies. Yes. David. Um, but interesting choice to have, and I think that's consistent. Because I know there's a reference later to Gloria having a car. So uh, I think there's an implication that Gloria is with the kids in the suburbs. So Oscar just scrolls into the house somehow. <laughs> I, I either has a key or there's no, nobody's locking any door. They come in through the, like the, 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 the windows, you know, like they have these French windows, like the open on a garden or something. Just they yeah. come in through, through that. Mm -hmm. Very unsafe. Very unsafe. Uh, but Oscar, Especially for the 70s, my God. Oscar knows that Felix is there. He somehow assumed that when he walked out of the back into the living room when Felix wasn't there, that Felix went to the house. I don't know how he knew that exactly. He just obviously didn't text him or call him on his cell phone. So he says, but he walks in the house and he says, Felix, I know you're here. I can smell your, smell your nose spray, which is a funny one. <laughs> um, and also Felix clearly also just walked in the apartment. Because Ray and Gloria are not home. They hear Ray and Gloria come home. Um, I think because we hear a car. Yes, right, right. right. Um, and they hide behind, I don't know whose car it is, because so Gloria picks Ray up in her car? I, I don't know. It, it's a logic issue again. Uh, and they hide behind a bar. So the set of this of the, of the main room that we see is a living room with a bar that people can hide behind. And, the, and Ray walks in. Uh, Ray wants to come in. Gloria allows him to come in for 10 minutes. Uh, we hear Felix and Oscar talking behind the bar about what's going on. 
we hear it loud enough so we <laughs> but yeah it's loud enough so they could hear it too yeah we should establish like just establish the visual for listeners that it's a very theatrical scene like on a play where you have a it's like what's one of the oldest scenes in comedy would be someone is overhearing is spying on someone else but also talking to like sharing it with the audience you know uh, their reactions to what they're overhearing and that the two people being spied on have m magically no camp here or any of that. Uh, and so conveniently Felix and Oscar crouched behind the bar in the living room and we can see, yeah, so they're, they're being very obvious, but uh, Gloria and Ray just continue their scene. As they could have talked lower. We could have still understood them and it could have at least sounded like to the audience that they were trying not to be heard. They didn't yeah. do that, which is, uh, you know, if you, if you take the show as serious as we do or I do, it, it, it's it's just another, like, nitpick that you think about. Um, Ray says to Gloria that she could be the special one for him, but Gloria admits to Ray that there is still something with Felix. Ray says, oh, Felix, he hasn't seen a room like that since he worked in a dairy. <laughs> it cracks Oscar up. Yeah, one of my favorite parts of that whole inter of that whole one of the my favorite running gags when they're behind the bar is the contrast between Felix's like nervous jealousy rage, you know, as he's witnessing what's going on, and Oscar meanwhile like laughing along with Ray. Anything right. bad about Felix, he just is like <laughs> cheering. Oscar's him loving on. this stuff. <laughs> I don't get what is a dairy. I don't get the joke. Is a dairy tidy? What is a dairy? I, I don't suppose get it. it's very white. I don't know. I, I didn't get that line. Uh, Ray realizes there is no hope, and he leaves after kissing her on the cheek. Uh, Gloria takes. Oh, and that's there's a great visual of 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 Felix. Like, the, of course, has to peer over the. Once he says, "May I kiss you?" He hears that, so Felix can't help looking. He needs to, you know, to see the kiss, and uh, and you can see. Uh, he ends up kissing her on the cheek and Felix is like relieved and shows Oscar like just the cheek he, like he didn't get anywhere and Gloria says you can come out now Felix because <laughs> I, I, she also smelled his, nozzle, his nasal spray um, she knew the then, whole time right? right she knew the whole time but then Oscar pops up too and Gloria is startled <laughs> by Oscar um, and Felix reverts back to being super jealous uh, but while he's being jealous, he throws his back out, which is something that was a big part of season one that does show up in the rest of the show, but they kind of phase out for eventually. It really doesn't happen a lot later. but they Yeah, it's kind of like the honking, right? Felix has all these, uh, he's a hypochondriac, and he has all these physical quirks that break down, basically. He's very frail, they imply. And so every time so he bends down to yell at Glory and scold her at his back, he just, which makes him freeze for some reason. I don't know if that happens when you have a backpack. But uh, he's frozen in that position. But what's also funny is the buildup is that you, it, all of a sudden, uh, Gloria's saying, oh my god, my, I have migraines. That's her thing. Yeah. And Felix is honking and then goes into the, ah, my back. And so like the two of them are having, uh, are just like, are plagued by all these illnesses and ailments at the same moment. So for Oscar has to carry the, the, the frozen Felix out on his shoulder, like lifts him up, picks him up, and just carries him out the door while he's frozen in that position. And the migraine is something that we do see with Gloria later on. So that is a consistent trait. But Felix, there's other episodes that talk about how what great shape Felix is in, how he can do yeah. all these physical things. Yeah. 
So the back thing is phased out and really not addressed. There is a, an episode where he bowls and has a back problem, but they address very specifically why that's happening. So the, the Felix physical uh, stuff becomes uh, inconsistent. So there's a tag. Oscar is Felix are in their living room, and Oscar says Felix has charisma, the fact that he has macho, and that Ray's a lonely man tonight because Ray doesn't have uh, Gloria. So they're trying to commiserate, make Felix, or Oscar's trying to, not commiserate, trying to make Felix feel good that he won. Yeah, Ray's specifically, good. he's saying like, you know, but, you know, you may have been jealous of Ray, but think of how, what a lonely man. He seems like a swinger on the outside, but he didn't get Gloria, and that means he's just going to go back and be all by himself, and you have had a, a fulfilling relationship with this woman. He's just a lonely swinger. It's all hollow and shallow, and He's really inside, not that happy. It's very convincing for like the 10 seconds he says that. Until Ray walks out of the bedroom area with two very exotic looking, very done up uh, women who are carrying his suitcases for some reason. They have like, these weird wigs on. I, I don't. <laughs> very like 70s fashion models. Yes. Um, and then it ends with Oscar saying, Deep down, is he happy? And Felix says, I think so. And Oscar agrees. I guess yeah. I think so too. Yeah, yeah, and that's where we end with uh, with with that gag. That was a good. I thought that was a good tag. It was a good tag. Yeah, it was better than than. Uh, We're the finding tag. the tags are very inconsistent, but that was yeah. a fun one. Because the tag in our favorite episode, and maybe because of or not one of our favorites from what we talked about last week, uh, was not so great. And maybe the tag is good here because the rest of the episode, at least for me, isn't isn't so great. So overall, I rate this a two and a half out of five. I, I think the performers were still getting used to being on a live set with an audience. I think the chemistry was not quite there yet, uh, but very, I know that we get there very soon. And I found the script fair. I mean, the, the high hole moment is an all, is one of my, well, not one of my favorite. It's a, it's a top something moment for me, top 20, top 30. Uh, but I always forget about it because this episode, I think, is forgettable. What, what do you say, Garrett? Uh, well, I found I I had forgotten a lot of it, as I said, uh, and but I was pleasantly surprised when revisiting it. Uh, I, I thought was, I had a lot of laughs. Um, I would give it a three, maybe even a three and a half. I, I agree, not as good as the season three episode we talked about last week, but uh, I agree that the, some of the the jokes are not all quite organic yet. Uh, they're still finding their characters a little more. But what makes it for me is the dynamic between Felix and this ski bum guy, Ray. Uh, who's the actor again? Red Beer. Red Beer. I think he's good. He's, he's well cast. Great. It's such good, perfect casting. He's like he's central casting '70s macho man, uh, debonair lover, and um, you know of the Burt Reynolds kind, I guess, with the mustache and. Uh, so if you're interested in those, you know, that kind of iconography of 70s masculinity, this is a great episode to check out. And of course, there's such great, there's such a great uh, uh, tension between Felix, the sophisticated intellectual, uh, who's also who's not apparently he's divorced, so he's not considered a very romantic uh, type. And uh, and and of course, the joke at the end that you alluded to is when uh, Oscar has to reassure Felix, you know, and say, hey, you know, you actually have macho, to quote a very 70s word, and uh, not Ray, you have macho because you're a man of substance. 
And that great exchange where Ray says, Felix, you know, I got to hand it to you. Gloria still loves you. And I don't know what it, I don't know what it is you got. And Felix very proudly says, I think they call it macho. Yeah. Yeah. Ray. And then when Ray leaves with the two models, of course, he salutes the boat as macho. Right. Uh, so I just think he's such a character, a character of this 70, something out of Boogie Nights, you know, uh, <laughs> that uh, their attention is, is so fantastic that it, and, and Felix, Felix's seething reactions to Ray, and ultimately, what you said about the jealousy, this is maybe one of the first episodes, I don't think it's season one we got to see Felix's jealous, jealousy that much because Gloria wasn't in it. And Tony Randall just gets so into playing this classic comedy uh, comic character of the jealous husband or the jealous lover. It goes you know, all the way back in classical comedy. Uh, and he just plays it so well. And that, to me, just uh, uh, fuels the whole episode. And, and I think Felix is right. I mean, Raymond, if he got together with Gloria, was in it for the short term. Obviously, he had no True. Intention. Gloria is presented as a very uh, woman of integrity, right, who is not going to fall for Ray's charms. Oh, my, my other fam favorite Fred Bear moment, is that his name? Beer. I think it's Beer. B-I-E-R -E or B-E-I-R. -E yeah, he's really shown up as such, a, <laughs> as such a, a, a pickup artist. You know, he has that moment. There's a moment of tension in the in the the scene where Felix and Oscar are hiding behind the bar, where Gloria says, "Fix yourself a drink," and we're going, "Oh my God, he's going over to the bar. He's going to find Felix and Oscar." And we see him pause just before he gets to the bar, and then just slams his hand down on the bar and says, "You know what? No, I'm going to concentrate 100% on you." It's such Gloria. a well, it's such a first <laughs> thing. Like, he's clearly done that before, <laughs> right? And, and they, they even like they groan. Felix and Oscar groan at that line. Uh, behind that. So he just plays up that type so well. All right. Well, I think we covered that one uh, pretty extensively and gave it its fair shot. Uh, if you have any comments or feedback, you can send us an email at 1049pod at gmail.com. Uh, we're still having no social media presence, no Facebook page yet or anything else, but uh, 1049pod at gmail is a way to reach us. We are now on iTunes, uh, and uh, Podbean is our home base um, if you want to find our podcast, although you're listening to it, so you must have found it. But as I'll say what I've always heard everyone else say is leave us a five-star rating on iTunes because that helps us. Oh, yeah, now that we're on iTunes. Right. Even if you disagree with... Now I know what that means. Right. Uh, even if you disagree with some of our comments or our... Uh, Just give us the five stars. Give us five stars if you enjoyed it. So we will be back next week to talk about something else on season two, probably the next episode, but we will uh, figure out when we're going to talk about some of these uh, minor episodes that we're skipping and more about the season one and season two conversion. So uh, good night, everybody. Macho. <laughs>